You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And before we get started, we are two writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog. And we've been covering the Chargers now for over six seasons doing our own Facebook live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly during the season. And now this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys, well, welcome back into the off-season editions of the Locked On Chargers podcast. A lot more to get into as far as what the Chargers plan will be going into this off-season on today's show. But first, let me start by just giving a thank you to everyone who's checking out the show for the first time. And a special thank you to all of our loyal fans coming back and checking in with us again. If you guys don't already, make sure you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast from, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. With the daily format, that's always the fastest and easiest way to get the show. But I did talk about what the Chargers need to do this offseason, and that will be a major theme for today's show because we are going to be getting into ESPN, releasing a list of the NFL overhaul tiers by Jeremy Fowler, and he looks at which teams will look the most different in 2021. And obviously the Chargers with a brand new head coach and going into the second year of the Justin Herbert era are in a very interesting spot there. So some of the things that we will get into are their low key and big ticket free agents, according to ESPN, the biggest things they must prioritize as far as Justin Herbert and what do they need to do on the defensive side of the ball, as well as just if they're even put into the right division of this article as far as where they are in their trajectory to try to bounce back and make the playoffs in 2021. But we're also at the end of the show going to get into some voicemails. We're going to be talking about Juju Smith-Schuster potentially coming to the Chargers. I know that's something a lot of people have been talking about. We'll also talk about some other Orlando Brown Jr. trade scenarios, as well as the immense pressure that might be on Justin Herbert after an incredible rookie season going into his second year. But let's go ahead and get into it. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN has come out with an article where he looks at the NFL overhaul tiers and which teams will look most different in 2021. And the Chargers came in on the list in a pretty weird list as far as the ranking system. I mean, some of them are slowly rebuild, new coach taking control, stuck in QB purgatory, which we know the Chargers are not. And better than what the Chargers were on this list were on the brink of being in championship contention and also on the right track mostly. The Chargers end up in surprisingly comfortable despite losing record. It was them and the 49ers, and I kind of took that to be The Chargers, even though they had a losing record in 2020, it seems like they are a team, if players stay healthy, if they can make some key improvements to the team after finishing one game below 500 and blowing four consecutive 16-point leads in a season where they did that seemingly all season long. And they are in a prime position to bounce back and have a better record in 2021, especially you know under the new guidance of Coach Brandon Staley. So David, when you see these tiers, do you think that they put the Chargers in the right one? Yeah, I mean, I also think, you know, new coach taking control could be a possible one. And, I mean, I understand most of the, you know, the teams that are in the tier of moving forward is winning teams. So I understand why the Chargers are not in that tier. So considering everything, you know, and I talked to you about this before the show, I misinterpreted how they they wrote this. (laughs) I thought that, that, you know, when I looked at it, I was like, you know, they're they're comfortable losing. And I was like, what do you mean they're comfortable losing? They just fired their whole coaching staff. Uh, but that's not what they meant. 
but yeah, I, I think all things considered, they're probably in the right space because they have playmakers on both sides of the ball. Uh, they have a, they have pieces to work with. They're not the cupboard's not bare. You know, there there are, there are things that you need to work with, but there are also s- some improvements, obviously, that need to be made. Yeah, definitely. And one of the big tiers on this was just needs major improvement on one side of the ball. And I don't think the Chargers necessarily fall into that category because I do think there's not one or the other that needs a lot of improvements. I think they need improvements on both sides of the ball. But I don't think that you can look at one side and just be like, that's the big problem with the Chargers. I mean, there's big problems along the offensive line. There's also big problems on the defensive side of things as well. So I do think that those are both pretty important going into 2021. And both of those will likely be indicating factors on whether the Chargers can bounce back and have a much better season next year. But they put that the biggest priority for the Chargers going into this offseason had to be maximizing Justin Herbert. And we've talked about that, you know, when it was questions about hiring a defensive-minded head coach and who they are bringing in on this coaching staff. And obviously, a lot of former quarterbacks find themselves on there. But, David, this is the obvious thing. Obviously, executing this is going to be the problem. We're not going to see, you know, how they deploy Justin Herbert and what offense they build around him. But it seems pretty obvious that, yes, I mean, you should be prioritizing Justin Herbert on this. Well, at least uh, Brandon Staley is surrounding Justin Herbert with a litany of former quarterbacks, huh? I mean, there is several former quarterbacks as coaches on this coaching staff, so there's going to be a lot of people to draw from as far as, you know, bringing him along. The biggest issue I had with this little blurb here is that they only needed uh, at least one uh, addition on the offensive line or one more piece on the offensive line, and I kind of had to chuckle at that because – we all know that this Chargers offensive line is not one piece away. I mean, there are several pieces away. I think you have to overhaul the entire left side of the offensive line if you really want to maximize Justin Herbert. I think you have good weapons, as the this passage has, has noted, but if you really want to maximize Justin Herbert, it's about giving him the time to be able to make the throws and make the plays that he can make, that he is capable of making. Yes, he was great under pressure, but that's not exactly a stat that you want to be known for, okay? You want to have time to be able to make the decisions and execute. So if you really want to maximize Justin, it's about maximizing the additions on this offensive line. When the one for the Bengals on here was, you know, make sure that you build the offensive line great for Joe Burrow. And it's just like, shouldn't that kind of be the Chargers thing as well? Right. I mean, that has to be the number Hell one yes. priority going in to the 2021 season. And yes, they are a flawed team and they have big holes on either side that you can look at and say either, yes, they need an upgrade in starting talent at that position or they desperately need youth or athleticism or speed or just, you know, being able to find depth players at positions like in the secondary, like on the defensive side of things that they need to get figured out during this offseason. But I think part of the reason that they didn't go all in as far as what they want, what they think the Chargers need to bring in on the offensive side is because there are some issues on the defensive side as well. The Chargers are changing defensively with Brandon Staley. He's going to install a new defense. He's going to be play calling for the Chargers, and we're excited to see what that looks like. But stopping the run has been a big issue. One of the other large concerning issues with this team, as it puts on here, is the secondary is getting much older. Derwin James is great. I mean, he's young. Michael Davis, if they resign him, he's obviously pretty young as well. He'd be a guy you're getting right in the middle of his prime. But other guys that are major contributors, Chris Harris Jr. and Casey Hayward Jr., are both guys that are over 30, and that's a 
pretty pivotal stage of a cornerback's career, and both of them have been a little bit rough either last season or the last two seasons. So I do think on the defensive side, David, it is fair to say that they need help at those positions. I mean, they still don't have an interior pass rush. They still don't have a lot of backup plans in the secondary, and all of those things have to get addressed. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this several times on this show that they need to get younger at corner. I mean, there's no contingency plans like viable contingency plans behind Casey Hayward and Chris Harris Jr. If those guys get hurt, which they have, I mean, there's not a lot of talent behind them. There's not a lot of guys you can go to and say, okay, you know, this guy's going to step in and he's going to hold his own. I mean, every time those guys go out of a game, you cringe a little bit. You know, you grit your teeth because you know they're the, the guy who's coming in, whether it's Brandon Faison or, or Tavon Campbell or whoever they get out there or, or had out there last year, they were getting targeted and they were having some success. And unfortunately, they were having some success when they went at Casey Hayward as well. I mean, his issues with the, the deep ball was very well documented, and he's getting paid a pretty penny. So, I mean, who knows what's going to happen as far as him and, and if the Chargers are going to choose to retain him or cut him. But regardless of that, the Chargers need more talent, more youth at the cornerback position. I think they have some good good candidates at safety. I mean, we'll, we'll see what Brandon Staley's touch is on that. But... I mean, yes, corners need to be addressed. Pass rush needs to be addressed, too. I mean, Joey Bosa can't be the only viable guy to, to rush the quarterback. And, and maybe a Chen and a Wilson will get more opportunities to shine in, in this system. But regardless of that, I mean, they need more guys that, that can get after the quarterback. I mean, Brandon Staley's defense with the Rams last year had several guys that had over five and a half sacks. If he brings that to this Chargers defense, then the sky's the limit. And we saw it even as recently in the Super Bowl, just seeing what pressure does to an opposing offense. It's like the number one thing you need to have. It makes the guys in the secondary better. And a good secondary makes the pass rushers better. But just like you were saying, hey, when Tavon Campbell would come in, you knew you weren't going to get the same type of results. When Joey Bosa went out, the Chargers got no pass rushing results. I mean, zero sacks from Melvin Ingram. Uchenu Wosu wasn't used correctly and wasn't used enough probably. So that has to be a huge key going into this because there is not a lot of depth at those positions that you think can come in and at least fill in at an average level. So those positions in the secondary are going to have to get figured out as far as who the future at that position is going to be and also trying to find more guys that can brush the passer as well as just, you know, getting a better scheme to find easier way to get guys in in front of the quarterback and start causing pressure that way. But this unleash team- Kenneth Murray, please. I mean, that's one thing going into the season. I that just came to me, man. I just I want to see him come go get after the quarterback. We saw a couple of times last year, Daniel, and it looked pretty damn good. I know he's got more left in the tank if he's put in a position to, to get after the quarterback. Well, I think that's one of the bigger selling points on Kenneth Murray coming out of Oklahoma was just the fact that he was kind of a freak pass rusher in that way and put up big numbers there and looked really good doing it so it's just going to depend on whether he's an inside or outside linebacker either one could be rushing the passer but the frequency obviously is much different but we do have two more segments to get into because on the next segment we're going to keep getting into what the Chargers need to do this offseason how this rebuild quote unquote is going to have to happen and talk about the big ticket free agent as well as a low-key important free agent that the Chargers are going to have to make to make decisions on coming up right after this but first I need to tell you guys the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast is betonline.ag if you guys didn't have to get in on any of the fun prop bets from the Super Bowl it's okay because there's still sports to bet on right now you guys can bet on the NBA you can bet on NCAA basketball there's still sports 
going on and baseball is coming up pretty quickly. And the only place to do it is at betonline.ag. They are the one place that has you covered and the one place that we trust. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. That's free money you guys can be throwing around on any of the sporting events that you guys are watching these days. All you have to do is go and create that account at betonline.ag and make sure to use that promo code LOCKEDON for that 50% welcome bonus. All right, well, it's time to get back into Jeremy Fowler's NFL offseason overhauls and the Chargers coming in kind of in the middle of the pack, but coming in as a team that doesn't have to be super panicked, even though they had a losing record in 2020. And I've been talking about this. I mean, the Chargers are a couple of games away last season from not only Anthony Lynn probably keeping his job and being, you know, 35 and 29 over four seasons, but just really being thought of totally differently with Justin Herbert at quarterback. Right now, he just has one losing season. He was a rookie. He did outstanding. But at the same time, he that roster that was together in 2020, we don't know how much of that is going to come back in 2021 because there are some big names that are going to be free agents for the Chargers. And the first one that they talk about on here is the big ticket free agent is Hunter Henry, who, even though he had to miss a couple of games late in the season due to COVID issues, did stay healthy for a majority of the season did put up some career numbers, even though they weren't always on the same page. The catch percentage wasn't very high, but this is something that Herbert has a great relationship with, and obviously someone that we've seen has potential to be a pretty good tight end in this league, and the Chargers have a couple of pretty big question marks behind him in Donald Parham and Steven Anderson. So, David, when they're saying that Hunter Henry is the big-ticket free agent, would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that for the most part. I, I think Michael Davis is another really good candidate for this, too, just because we saw how, you know, really well he came on, you know, throughout this year. He got better and better, and he started looking, you know, it was it was starting to look very clear that he was the number one corner on this team, and you know how number one corners get paid in the NFL right now. So, But, yes, I, I do agree that he is the big-ticket free agent because – there's just not a lot of talent out there for the tight end position that is going to be able to replace this production. And I did think towards the end of the year, it was really unfortunate that Hunter Henry would go out because I thought the chemistry was getting better with him and Hunt, with Justin Herbert and, and Hunter Henry towards the end of the season. But unfortunately, Hunter had to miss those last two games. But we all know the importance of stability at the tight end position. We saw Philip Rivers and Antonio Gates tear it up for the better part of a decade. So we know if these guys get together and they get on the same page and they start to be able to, you know, like know what each other is thinking and they get on that type of chemistry level, what kind of magic can happen between a a quarterback and a tight end. So maybe this is the right marriage. And if it is, you know, the chargers are going to have to shell out quite a bit of coin. And it's going to be interesting to see if anyone given the current cap situation in the NFL and looking at some of these teams, right now on this list where it shows their cap situation and so many of them are in the negative at this point so those teams would seem to be out of the running without major roster overhauls i do think the chargers could bring back hunter henry potentially at and you know not a great deal for the team potentially but i do think he wouldn't be asking for a george kittle contract or even a travis kelsey contract Potentially, I think they could get him on a somewhat team friendly deal. But I'd also think the other thing we have to think about here is the usage from Shane Steichen, because when Shane Steichen took over for Ken Wisenhunt, the running game was terrible under Ken Wisenhunt. But Hunter Henry was putting up really good numbers when he was in there with Ken Wisenhunt. And it was a different quarterback, obviously, with Philip Rivers. 
But I do think there is something to Shane Steichen not really knowing how to use Hunter Henry at his best. I mean, we didn't see him really get any catch-and-run opportunities. We saw a lot of curl routes and hook routes from him, little seven-yard gains. And I think maybe, you know, that was some of the lack of athleticism from the surgeries that he'd had. But I do think that there's more to his game that we weren't really seeing under Shane Steichen. And I wonder if that could change now with a new coaching staff who wants to put him, you know, have him be more involved with the offense because, you know, he is a good weapon for Justin Herbert to have. But there is also a low-key important free agent that they put on here, and that is Melvin Ingram. And this is somebody that we've gone back and forth on. I mean, I still think it's hard to sign Melvin Ingram for uh, the amount of money that he's going to be able to produce for you on the field coming off of a season with zero sacks, having 14 sacks over the the past three seasons, even though he's done a lot of the dirty work and things like that. It's still hard to say, hey, if he's commanding, you know, 10 plus million a year, that that's going to be a good deal for the Chargers. So I do think it's a low key important for the Chargers because he is a great leader. But at the same time, I don't know what kind of production you would expect. Yeah, I mean, what did he make? Twelve million last year. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Melvin, but you didn't do anything. It was last more than year. that. It was like I fourteen. Mean, fourteen million. That's even worse. I mean, I love Melvin Ingram just like every other Charger fan, and I've appreciated and I've talked. I've talked about all the dirty work that he has done and how it's very unheralded, and you don't get a lot of you know the respect. You know, it's not the same thing as you know getting after the quarterback, but that was his main job was getting after the QB, and unfortunately, the last couple of years. He has steadily declined in that uh, in that ability, and there are guys out there that are you're going to be able to get pass rush from that you're probably going to be able to pay a little bit less money. I mean, for Melvin, if he asks for anything north of ten million dollars, I just think you got to let him walk. I mean, I like I said, I appreciate Melvin Ingram and all that he has done for the Chargers organization, but it com- this is a business, and it comes down to production. And unfortunately, the production is not going to match what he's going to ask for. So. I understand the importance as a leader, but I think it's time to let Melvin Ingram go explore some other options. Well, we'll see what the market is for him. I mean, I don't know if there's going to be a huge market for a pass rusher who has obviously missed a lot of games because of injuries last season and, you know, is failing to produce the numbers he once was. I still think he was a good first-round pick by the Chargers. I still think that in the right situation, he still could come to the Chargers and succeed but is the paycheck that he's getting going to fit the role that you're going to have to put him in potentially as a non-starter as a situational pass rusher a guy you could actually take some of those other responsibilities off his plate physicality wise as far as doing the dirty work in the run game and just keep him in there to do what he's good at being a stand-up rusher and moving all around the defensive line and opening up single team opportunities for other guys I mean there are currently ways to use him I think that weren't tapped into by Gus Bradley and I do think there is a role that he could play where he could produce good you know that he could have good production with the Chargers I just don't think he's going to be looking for that I think he wants to be a starter I think he wants to go somewhere where he can command a double digit million dollar contract and I just don't know if the Chargers are in position to give that to him given the needs of Michael Davis who I would also say could push Hunter Henry as far as the most important asset to this team that they have to find a way to bring back in 2021 and a lot of the other guys you know including potentially four offensive line positions that might have to be filled depending on what they decide to do with Trey Turner if they release with Trey Turner if they decide to release Trey Turner now you're missing four out of the five offensive line positions and the one guy that's left that started for you last year is Brian Bulaga the other starting tackle 
is Trey Pipkins. I mean, going into free agency in the draft and all those things, and you have a chance to address it, but I think with the salary cap, what it is, I think guys aren't going to be breaking the bank. I think the Chargers will be able to bring back the guys they want for a decent price along the offensive line, but how many of those guys from the worst offensive line can you bring back and hope for improvements? That's what we've been talking about this entire time. If you can find other guys that you know you think that could perform better for you, and Brandon Staley is going to have to be the judge of that along with Tom Telesco, it is such an important thing that I don't know if you can break the bank on someone like Melvin Ingram when there are much more pressing needs that have to be addressed and you're hoping for better production out of those guys. But we do have one more segment to get into because we do have some voicemails. We're going to talk about whether Mike Williams should be involved in a trade for Orlando Brown Jr. We'll also talk about if the Chargers should try to sign Juju Smith-Schuster in free agency and much more in our voicemail segment coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that there's any auto part that you need, there's only one place to get it from, and that is rockauto.com. I told you guys last week I had to get an alternator for my girlfriend's Camry, and we already have it. We got it shipped to the house. It's already fixed. She's back on the road again, and I can't thank Rock Auto enough just because it not only did I get it fast, get it delivered right to my door, but I always check with my stepdad to make sure I'm getting a good price on these things. And he said, I did. And that's the nice thing about rockauto.com is if you're a daily driver or a mechanic, you're always going to get the same price. And they have a ton of things to choose from, from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks. All you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts they have available for your car or truck and write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, guys, well, it's time to get into the final segment. We've been trying to squeeze your guys' voicemails in where we can. On today's show, we had a bunch of duplicates. So we had a couple of people calling in about Orlando Brown Jr. A couple of people I know, Curtis Loki calling in about Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm going to keep all those voicemails in mind when I answer these questions. But if you guys don't know the number to call into the voicemails, the number is 323-524-7924. And we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. We're going to keep doing these voicemail shows. So if you guys have any questions, the quicker you keep it, if you get cut off, it's going to be hard to play it. It cuts off at three minutes. If you're not really asking a question, it gets kind of hard to play as well. But if you guys have any thoughts on free agency or the draft or anything, really, you can call us and ask your question and get your voice on the show, which is pretty cool. But let's start today with a super fan, Zach. I know this is something that many people have been talking about all over social media. So let's see what he asked for us this week. Hey, guys, Zach from Florida here. So it might be too early to discuss this with free agency, and this is just a rumor, but it's now being talked about. How would you feel about potentially if Juju Smith-Schuster becomes a free agent that he joins this team? It's weird, but I found out he did go to USC and he actually wanted to be drafted by this team. But I don't know. It's like, again, it's a rumor, but it's being talked about. In my opinion, I don't know if we even need him. Say if we get rid of Mike Williams and we don't resign him. We still have so many guys on this team at wide receiver. We still have Joe Reed, KJ Hill, Jalen Guyton, Tyron Johnson. We have those four that could definitely fill in the spots. On the other hand, it would be a big get for us, and he is talented. So I don't know if you want to make this a talking point, but if you do, what are your thoughts? Bolt up. So this is something that is pretty tough just because obviously Juju Smith-Schuster is a guy who's better than 
you know, probably all of the Chargers receivers, but Keenan Allen, I would say. I mean, as far as production, you know, having a guy that's caught more than 97 balls twice in four seasons, had an 111 catch season, you know, has averaged close to 16 yards per catch in a season. He's done a lot of different things. Good after the catch. But he also comes with a lot of baggage, David, as far as, you know, social media distractions and all those things. I know those things bother you. They don't bother me as much. But at the same time, my biggest thing is free agent receivers don't work out for the Chargers. I mean, whether it's Travis Benjamin or whoever you want to bring up for the Chargers, it just never, ever works out. I mean, we can go back to Robert Meacham being brought in. I mean, even Denario Alexander was a guy who looked like he was going to be a good free agent signing. And then he, I mean just totally flamed out and was too injured to keep playing. So it's hard for me to get behind going after someone who's going to command the payday that Juju Smith-Schuster probably would. Well, my thing is, is like, is Juju Smith-Schuster's production going to equal or, you know, give me the same thing as Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson together? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, and also I definitely don't like the, the, the social media stuff because it puts a target on your back and then that, in turn, it makes your team weaker because they're going to try to take you away and they're going to try to take you out. And if they injure you, then you can't help the team. I just don't like the distraction. I just don't. It's just a, a bad look on the team. So that's one thing I don't like. And yes, I agree with you. Free agent wide receivers do not work. I just don't believe in spending that kind of money on a guy who's not 100% a sure thing. Right now, you only spend money on guys that are going to come in here and and make an immediate impact, and I'm not sold that Juju Smith-Schuster is going to do that for the Chargers. When the paycheck for him, Mike Williams, and Keenan Allen in 2021 would be absolutely massive. And Curtis Loki brought up the fact that maybe he's a better fit for Justin Herbert and what this offense might be than Mike Williams, and I might agree with that because Mike Williams, you know, that deep ball receiver who's not going to create a lot of separation is something that's hard for a young rookie quarterback like Justin Herbert to just be like, all right, F it, let's air it out like Philip Rivers used to do, right? So the fit's not perfect. Juju, I mean, is kind of similar to Keenan Allen in the way that, I mean, he's not a guy that's going to be super explosive down the field threat. So I just don't think it's necessarily the best addition for the Chargers. And I also just think that even though it doesn't bother me with the social media stuff as much, dancing on somebody's midfield, I mean, it just makes you look dumb if you end up getting beat, right? And I just think that's something you don't want to have to deal with if you, you know, don't have to. And I know Steeler fans were getting pretty upset that that guy's dancing on logos and then he's going out there and getting crushed on the field. But still a pretty good season for a guy who was putting a target on his back with the 97 catches, but only 8.6 yards per catch. Either way, let's get into the next one. I want to get to Joe from Jersey who wants to bring up Orlando Brown and maybe a different scenario we haven't talked about yet. Hey guys, Joe from Jersey. It's been a little while since I've called you last. Uh, I think I gave game reactions over the season and whatever, but um, this Orlando Brown trade thing uh, issue came up and I, I'm, I'm all in. Um, I think we should go ahead and try to offer Mike Williams uh, and maybe a draft pick if we needed to for uh, Orlando Brown uh, from the Ravens. Uh, we could spend our money on that 15 mil on Orlando Brown and uh, have a great tackle either on the right side or the left side or whatever we want to put him. I would hope the left side. And then we'd free up some space for Guyton or uh, or Ty- uh, the other wide receiver is super fast. I forget his name right now. But um, I think we're, we're, we're good with that. I mean, I, I think uh, I'd much rather have another offensive lineman who could play, uh, given the fact that we don't have many, than um, 
you know, and, and not have to pay Mike Williams because I think Mike Williams is a good receiver. I just don't think he's a $15 million uh, receiver. But I do think Brown could be a, a great tackle for uh, Herbert in the future. Then we could draft with our first round, get another lineman, and so on and so forth. So what do you guys think? Take care, guys. Go Bulls. So I think a lot of this has to do with how much do the Ravens want Mike Williams? Because for me, I think 100%. I mean, if you can get rid of the contract of $15 million a season for Mike Williams for this next season, if you're getting rid of a guy a year too soon rather than a year too late when you're not going to be able to resign him, I buy into all of those philosophies. But, David, I just think you have to wonder how much do they want him, how much are you having to add on to that. But in a vacuum, yes, having a good offensive lineman to me is more important than having a good number two receiver. Yeah, and I mean, Mike Williams, I think, to honestly, is a little bit of a surplus. <laughs> and if you can get him, and also, he's not he has not done enough to make $15 million a year and, and be comfortable with that. I, I So if you can get him for Orlando Brand Jr. and say, you know, maybe a fourth-round pick, if that'll get it done, then yeah, of course I'm making that deal for sure. Because then, you know, if you really believe in Orlando Brown Jr., then you can give him that money. Although, I mean, the lack of consist if you're if you're bringing him in to be the starting left tackle I, I mean it does give you a little bit of pause just because he hasn't played there a whole lot in his career he's mostly been a right tackle you know and I know I understand that's mostly out of necessity or the fact that Ronnie Stanley has been just ridiculous for the Ravens at left tackle but I mean you have to be really sold on this and the Chargers have made a lot of questionable decisions on offensive linemen and free agency so I mean he's got to be sure uh, but do I like the uh, the opportunity to potentially get get rid of fifteen million to a wide receiver that probably doesn't deserve it? Then absolutely, and you can bring in a guy that isn't without a doubt going to make your offensive line better. I say for sure, go ahead and try to pull the trigger. At a certain point, you just have to add as much talent to your offensive line as possible, and the talent for Orlando Brown Jr. is. Pff, unquestionable at this point he has the talent to play both right tackle and left tackle the you know how well he can play left tackle on a full-time basis I understand why that's questionable it cannot be worse than what the Chargers have been getting at that position so if that lowers the price on Orlando Brand Jr. to give them a big receiver that they might want to go into that offense where they need receivers I would definitely do it but it's not going to be you know a one-for-one deal if it saves you from having to give a first-round pick then definitely do it. And I also remember somebody said that, hey, maybe a 2022 first round pick is something the Chargers should consider because, hey, that might be a lot lower now, right? So I do think that that's something that could be, you know, a possibility as well. If it's a first round pick that they're after, if you're thinking, hey, we might be pick 27 in 2022, then I definitely would consider that as well. But Mike Williams for Orlando Bram Jr., I think you're getting rid of, a player who, yes, is still a very good receiver, does a lot of things very well, but you're just trying to improve a part of your team that drastically needs it. But we do have one more call coming from Hawaii. Let's hear what Eli has for us this week. Hey, guys. Eli calling here um, from the big island of Hawaii. Um, I just had some thoughts on the pressure being put on Justin Herbert going into the next season in the future, um, the more distant future for the Chargers, you know. Obviously, amazing season, like rookie of the year, um, very clear in my mind and in the minds of Charger fans everywhere. But every time I hear um, people talk about, you know, him being the franchise quarterback for the next 15 years, I cringe. And I, I know he's the guy, but I feel like uh, even as a second-year quarterback, um, he seems like a very cool, calm, collective guy, but that pressure can get anyone, and it worries me. 
Um, and I think part of the reason Herbert thrived so much this year were that the expectations weren't there. Um, now I'm a little bit nervous about it. Obviously, I feel like he's the guy, um, and I think every Charger fan does, but uh, I want to know what you guys thought about that. First of all, it's still always super cool to see how people calling in from Hawaii. For our downloads in the last 30 days, we've had Japan, New Zealand, Australia, the UK, I mean, Denmark, Sweden, so many different countries. So all of you guys listening from around the world, so honored that you guys have us be a part of your day. So I definitely want to start with that. But Eli, it's truly one of the best things about this podcast is being able to get our voices uh, is to get our show around the world. It's definitely really cool. Definitely. And I think there's definitely something to what you're saying here about the Chargers and Justin Herbert having a lot of pressure on him going into year two. And I think as Charger fans, you're always kind of reserved because you're kind of waiting for things to kind of break down because we can't have nice things and you're always expecting something to go wrong. But I do think there's an obligation from the team to try to put as little on Justin Herbert's shoulders at this age as they can. And I think that's such a huge part of how 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 he is going to be successful going forward and I do think that yes there's real pressure there's sophomore slumps to worry about there's so many different things that can get in the way a new coaching stage a new offense a new coach a new offense so many different things that are in flux for Justin Herbert right now that I think it's definitely something that the Chargers have to go out of their way to do they put too much on his plate last year they were always asking him to win them the game and he showed that he could do it but he shouldn't have to do it, and you shouldn't be asking him of that. So the way that you're going to keep developing and grooming Justin Herbert and building his confidence is by building it around him, taking a little bit off of his plate, but in big moments, put the ball in his hands and let him be a playmaker and also just give him the protection that he deserves to get the most out of the talent that we've already seen so he's not running 500 yards before he's throwing the ball like Patrick Mahomes did in the Super Bowl. All those things are so important, so the pressure is definitely real. The nervousness of, you know, not knowing what's going to be in year two, I think is definitely real. But I think that Justin Herbert has shown that cold demeanor that you're talking about and has shown that he can take things on last second, like going up against the Super Bowl champs and, you know, going in for your quarterback who your team doctor just punctured his lung. I mean, this guy has been through it as a rookie and he handled it all extremely well. So I think that is the reason to be optimistic. But we went a little long, so that is going to do it for today's show. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow, and we're going to be getting into looking at the free agents from the Super Bowl teams that could make sense for the Chargers to bring in as we get closer to free agency. But until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockdownLAC, as well as liking the Facebook page, Lockdown Chargers. We'd also appreciate if you guys give us a follow on our new Instagram page, which you can find at Lockdown Chargers. If you guys don't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, whether you have Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts from, and it's always the fastest and easiest way to get the show. And if you guys would rate and review, we would greatly appreciate that as well. But if you guys want to be the next callers on the voicemail show, the number is 323-524-7924. Thank you to everyone who called in today. We're going to keep getting into those, but... That's going to do it for today. We will be back with you guys tomorrow to get into some free agent talk. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.